Welcome, everybody. My name is Steve. If we've never met before, I am Steve. That was Steven. We are two totally different people with an amazing first name. So, not to get us confused, uh, I, I'm the teaching pastor here. So, if we've never met before, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. We are in week two of our series in Proverbs. And it's all about wisdom because we want you to live a solid life. Not something that is broken and falling apart. So we want to choose wisdom over foolishness. But I always like to start out when we talk about this just with a level playing field for everybody. So I'm going to require a little participation. Um, quick question. How many of you have ever done something stupid? You ever made a dumb choice? No, no, no. I see you putting them down. You're like, real quick. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. We're all friends. It's church. Come on. You got to be honest, right? Okay, look around real quick. Just look around. Some of you are like, I knew it. I knew they did. I knew it. Fantastic. So uh, you're in good company if you've ever, uh, you know, made some poor choices in life. Uh, the biblical word is foolishness. If you've ever made some foolish decisions, um, man, you're in the right spot. You're in, in the right spot. And it's so funny. I think through like high school graduation, I'm like, oh, man, the foolish things I did throughout high school. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And many of us know as adults, as we, as we grow up and as we get older, man, if we could save ourselves, go back in time and save ourselves from some of those foolish mistakes... Man, life would look a little bit different, wouldn't it? It really would. It really would. But uh, we've all done foolish things. And anytime I think about foolish things, I think of a TV show. And you've probably seen this or heard of it. It's called AFV, otherwise known as America's Funniest Home Videos. This is a phenomenal show. I have introduced this to my six-year-old because I'm trying to raise him right, you know. Um, see these people, son? Don't do that. But I just, I love it. It's hilarious. And inevitably, there's always a sports montage, isn't there? Like you've seen them, right? Like someone, they, they can't hit the ball and the bat goes flying, right? It hits a gentleman in a tender spot. Um, people are dancing and, you know, celebrating because a home run was hit and they fall off the bleachers. Like there's all these things. And inevitably, there's always this clip. It's the clip of a football game. Some of you have seen this. I'll break it down for you. Um, you got white versus red. And white is going to throw the ball. But look at, look at my man right here. He's trained for, the, he's trained for this all year. Eyes on the prize, baby. He's locked in with the quarterback. He's trained for this. He's prayed for this. He woke up in the morning, had his Wheaties, and was ready for this moment because he knows quarterback's going to launch that ball, and he's in the prime spot. So this guy right here, eyes on the prize, jumps up, grabs the ball, intercepts it, and does a 180. He doesn't know he's done a 180. You know what's happening next. He gets the ball, and he takes off the wrong way. But he eyes on the end zone, eyes on the prize. I've trained for this. I know this. And my man is just chugging along as fast as he can. You can hear chariots of fire in the background. It's just going. He's going. And he's like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And the crowd, the crowd's just making noise, right? You've been there to the game. Everyone's just yelling. And if you've ever played ball and you've been on the field, you have no idea what they're saying. You just hear noise. And you're thinking, I'm doing it. I'm going, baby. And people are like, you're going the wrong way. And of course, you can't hear a thing, right? So he's running along. And you, you got to watch the video. But his teammate right here hustles and tackles him. And you got to see it. Because he gets up from the ground and he's like, oh, man. Like, I was so close to scoring a touchdown. And they have this moment where they look at each other. And he's like, bro, you're going the wrong way. And he goes, what? Like, he has no idea what just happened? And, and, and listen, I, and there's this, there's a simple truth when I, I watch these videos or anything like this. Um, you, you can't go the wrong way and end up in the right destination. Are you with me? If you want to go to the right destination, you have to go the right way. 
And we know this to be true, right? Like if you were going to go on vacation and you were going to go on a road trip, you've been planning about it and you're going down to Seattle. You're super excited about it. You're going to do some shopping, get some nice restaurants or whatever. You hop in your car and you take off and you head north. What happens? You hit the border, don't you? They're going to look at you and go, uh, where are you going? And you go, Seattle, we're so excited. We're going to go shop. I got a favorite restaurant down there. And they're going to go, oh, honey, you're going the wrong way. And at that point, you got to turn around and go the other way. Are you with me? We get this in sports. We get this in transportation as we're flying. You know, if you take off at one side of the country and you want to go the other side, you have to go this way. If you go that way, you're, you're in the water. Right, we understand this, but sometimes when life happens, we don't always understand this. Like, have you ever had those moments, those come to Jesus moments, those realizations where you, you wake up and you go, how did I end up here? Like, how, how did my life become this? I, I don't, this was not the dreams and hopes and aspirations I had for my life, and yet I find myself here today. How on earth did this happen? Well, I, you know, you went the wrong way. That's how we ended up here. Let me give you a couple examples. Let me keep, you know, because no one's ever done this. This is the easiest target. I always start with diet and exercise because it's, um, how many of you, by the way, graduation parties, you can't wait to go. <laughs> but right, we want, we want the body, we want the physique, we want the energy, we want the, the stamina. We just like, man, we want to have the energy and feel confident and feel really, really good. Um, but we eat this. How did I end up here? Well, I, you went the wrong way, right? Let me give you another example. You want the promotion at work, but you lazy. He's hydrated though. He's on that health kick, you know, but how come I'm not getting a promotion? Like, well, you know, oh, this is a great one. We want a really intimate marriage, but we got the cell phones in bed. Yeah, it was really quiet. The first service too, when I put that one up, it's like the only glow in the bedroom is of the cell phones. I just, you know, we just don't seem to talk anymore. I don't know what the problem is. It's like you're going the wrong way. You're on, you're on your phones. Okay, another one. Uh, financial peace, right? We would love that, but we just, ooh, let's go buy. Anyone's an Amazon shopping cart just loaded. Last one. We want a close connection with God, but we do this. It's like we're, we're going, we're going the wrong way. It's, how many times in my life, maybe in your life, have you been praying? You're like, God, I, I want, I want to feel close to you. I want to feel your presence in my life, but I'm participating willfully in the things that he's not a part of at all. And then I wonder, well, how, how did my relationship with, with God get here? Like, I, I know all the right answers. Just like the football player. I know, I know the plays. And could it be that maybe some of us were going the wrong way? way. We've got the answers. We know the game plan, but we're going the wrong way. And so we're going to spend our time this morning and I'm so glad that the seniors are here and it may feel like a downer here in the beginning, but I'm I'm telling you, if you can get this point now, just ask any adult who's in their forties or fifties, I promise you, if we can get this now, if we can understand that in order to go to the right destination, I have to be on the right path. Because you you can't take the wrong path and end up in the right destination. Life doesn't work that way. And if you can get this now, you will save yourself a world of hurt. And more importantly, God's going to do some amazing things in and through your life. Because you know if you're on the wrong path, what do you got to do? You're going the wrong way. You've got to turn around. So in our time this morning, we're going to look at a passage. And um, I got to be honest with you. This was very challenging for me. I had a very heavy week because it's not a fun 
topic or passage. Um, I usually, if you know me well enough, I like the, the happy clappy sermons like, woo, God is good all the time, all the time. Yeah. yeah, let's go take an offering and go lunch. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what I want. And I got to be upfront with you. This is not that sermon. You might not like it. And, and that's okay. Cause I don't, I don't like it either. <laughs> it's really challenging. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to read the passage in its entirety and, and then we're going to pray. Because if you're like me, when you read certain things like this in the Bible, your, your defenses go up and you start building a wall or, or you, you deflect and you go, oh man, I sure hope so-and-so is watching online because they need this. <laughs> Nervous laughter. <laughs> so here's the passage. Are you ready? We can do this. Here we go. It's Proverbs 6 verses 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. If you can't say amen, say ouch. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Should we pray? Lord, would you help me? Would you help us? Um, I don't want to be the person that reads your word and my defenses go up. So, Father, would you search my heart? Reveal to me some blind spots, the areas that are really uncomfortable that I don't want to admit to or even hear someone talk about. Would you allow me to have peace as I reflect on my life? And compare it to the standards of the scriptures. Jesus, I thank you for filling in the gap between the two. Speak to us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. And the church said, amen. Amen. We're going to get through it. We'll get through it. But it's going to be tough sledding here in the beginning. So um, let's just start at the very beginning. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are detestable to him. And I always read this and went, all right, Lord, like make up your mind. Is it six or seven? What does that mean? And it's it's a, a, a language um, tip. It's a trick. It's basically saying this list is not exhaustive. There are more than seven things that the good Lord hates. He hates sin in general, like all sin. He hates it. Why? Because sin hurts you and it hurts other people. In fact, that's the first point in your notes. Number one, God hates sin because it hurts us and others. It just does. It hurts us. And so he goes, hey, that thing, I hate that thing. I don't hate you. Let me be very clear. He does not hate people. He hates that sin because it hurts you. It ruins your life and it ruins the life of people around you. Primarily the people you love most, which is why he hates that. But it's not an exhaustive list. And I think that's really good because I look at the list and I go, did you realize that sexual immorality didn't make the list? As you read through it, you're like, why isn't sexual immorality on the list? I thought for sure it would be on the list. And here's why I think it's not on the list. Because I think Solomon wrote it. Well, I know Solomon wrote it. And Solomon had over 700 wives. So he's going through the list. He's like, we can't have eight, so we'll go with seven. And he's like, da, 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 we hit the pride, da, da, the lying. Yeah, we're going to leave sexual immorality on the side. We're going to go back and do lying twice. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't want to talk about it. But, but help me out. Does God hate the sin of sexual immorality? Yes. Why? Because it hurts you and it hurts other people that you love. 
So he hates that because he loves you and he does not want your life to be destroyed. He does not want you to hurt yourself or to hurt other people. Parents understand this principle perfectly. If there is something that is hurting your son, you hate that thing. You want to get rid of that thing. If you have a daughter who is always being hurt by something, you're like, get that thing out. I don't want that thing to exist anymore. Why? Because you love your kids. You want what is best for them. It's the same thing with God. So God hates sin, and we're going to look at seven of them, but I promise you there's more um, because it hurts us and it hurts other people. Second point that we need to be very clear on. Number two, everyone sins, including Christians. Everyone sins, including Christians. Now, I need to say that because so often in my life, and I'm sure I'm the only one, but I tend to think that sin is out there. And when I have these moments or hear these sermons, I'm coming to the realization that, oh yeah, sin is also in here. And we just need to be honest with that. We need to be very honest with that. And in fact, I've had lunch with a handful of you. Sin isn't here too, because you're crazy. You're nasty. You're just going, I'm just kidding. Um, Jesus referred to it. It's the log eye disease. Jesus said, take the log out of your eye before you take the little toothpick, the speck out of your neighbor's. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. That's what I hope we're going to do this morning. Please don't leave. Now, here, here's the deal, uh, and then we'll jump into the rest of it. Um, you can't go and get to the right destination if you're going the wrong way. And, and friends, I, I'm telling you, God is calling you into more, into something bigger, into something with far more influence than what you and I are currently living today. But we will not and we cannot step into that if we are busy camping out in the areas and in the things of life that God hates. We have to deal with this if we're going to go to more. I promise you the Christian life is more than just waking up in the morning, reading your Bible, and going to church on Sunday mornings. It's far greater than that. God didn't call you into that life. He called you into a life of massive influence, of creative ways to love other people, to share the gospel and invite the world into God's kingdom. And you and I can't do that if we spend our time in things that God is not a part of. So we got we got to fix it. We got to talk about it. We have to address the thing. So we're going to spend some time this morning doing a self-assessment and we'll go quick through it. But I want you to be thinking, God, is this, has this been true of me? Because in my life I have, um, I have belittled or made light of the things that apparently God hates. And I've said, Oh, it's no big deal. And what I'm reminded of again, this past week. And again, this morning is that, no, this is a big deal. It's a very big deal. So with that in mind, buckle up. We're going on an adventure. It's going to be great. So let's start at the very beginning. In verse 17, um, haughty eyes. God hates haughty eyes. And the best way I think I can describe this in today's language is simply pride and arrogance. It's when you look down your nose at other people and you have elevated yourself. He hates that. He absolutely hates it. You know, um, those people, and you fill in the blank for whatever those people are. When you look down your nose and you say, okay, somehow I am elevated. I am better than those people who are made in the image of God, just like me. And God goes, no, 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 no. I hate that because, because why? That hurts them. And your pride and your arrogance is going to hurt you too. I, I want that out of your life. There's no room for that in my kingdom. Um, You'll realize as we go through this list that it's, it's progressive, but we have to start with pride and arrogance because they all build off of that. So for me, uh, in the spirit of, you know, log eye disease, I will go first and not assume that this is true of everybody. Um, I'll just share with you my story and what the good Lord has been revealing in my life. 
I would say uh, my wife and I, our, our family, we moved here in 2020. And how many of you know 2020 was, was the greatest year in the history of mankind? <laughs> um, I, I call them the big three, but I felt like wherever I went, whoever I talked to, uh, I couldn't escape these things. Um, and every, everyone was, was angry and there was name calling and we were all, myself included, we're all throwing th- every side, regardless of where side you're on, everyone's throwing something and pointing fingers and doing this. And, and here's the big three. The big three are politics, racism, and sexuality. And when I look at Jesus and I look at those people, even other other. I don't, I don't even know how to say, I'm not even going to use the right word to say, it, but a, a categories of people or, or types of people, forgive me. Um, man, Jesus went to those people and he loved those people and he ate with those people and he had friendship with those people. He talked about their sin. He also loved them. And apparently those people who didn't live like Jesus, they liked Jesus too. And so I just did a quick self-assessment in my life and went, Steve, is that true of you? And, you know, I think I'm like most people. And I go, well, yeah, of course I'm loving. Just ask me. <laughs> and the Lord's like, no, no. Do you, does that person think you're loving? Go, well, yeah, like I, I'm not mean. Like I don't say, no, 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 no. Because um, when they interact with you, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not, there's our word, proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And the last one, you know this, love never, love never fails. Steve, is this true of your social media posts? Is this true with you around the office? Is this true as you're driving to and from work? Is this true at family gatherings? Is this true when you think of certain political figures or people who are struggling with their sexual identity or issues of racism? Is this true of you? And I had to come to the conclusion and I said, no. I heard, I heard a pastor once say, and I think it's brilliant, so I've started adopting it. He simply said back in the day when everyone was throwing insults and you're this and you're that, you're homophobic and you hate this and you're, you're a crazy conservative and you're a wacko liberal and you're this and that and the other. And he just said, instead of trying to, you know, use all my energy to defend it, I just said, you're probably right. And he says, the tension just whoosh, vanishes in the room. And he said, you're right. I, I probably have something, said something racist, racist. I have probably made um, racist comments. I've probably said the wrong things. I've probably unintentionally offended this group of people. I probably laughed at the joke that, you know, in my circle, they didn't think it was that big of a deal. But to that, that circle, it, it dishonored them. It didn't protect them. It really hurt them. So I've just sort of adopted that. Look, I, I'm from Southern California. I know I was surprised too when I found out. I'm from Southern California. Um, I grew up calling everyone dude, man, and bro. I walk around the office and I talk with other people, right? Men and women. And I just say, what's up, dude? Come to find out women don't like being called dudes. <laughs> Who knew? But it's, I just grew up like everyone. Hey, what's up, dude? What's up, bro? 
Let's go hang out. It's just, it's a thing. And I just, ah, I need to get better at it. Because why? Women don't want to be called dudes or man. So I'm like, look, teach me, show me. What are the right terms? I don't know. I just know I want to love you. And part of me loving you means I'm not going to dishonor you. So I need to start learning a new vocabulary. Rather than having you jump into my box, I'm going to jump like Jesus. I think I'm going to go to you and learn how to speak with you and respect you and love you. And I'm telling you, this week has been so heavy because the good Lord said, there it is again, Steve. There it is. 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 It has been relentless in my life, which shows me that, Steve, it has been a problem in your life for a long time. And in the spirit of log eye disease, I simply want to go first and say, this is an area that I do not excel in. And my pride and arrogance has kept me away from people. And all week I've had to wrestle with the fact that God hates that. It's been very heavy for me. And I don't want to project this on anybody else. I'm just, I'm sharing my experience with it. Maybe you have a similar one. Maybe you have a different experience. But God hates that. Why? Because it hurts me and it hurts other people that are made in his image. Just like me. Number two. Aren't you excited you came here on graduation Sunday? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I promise you, we'll turn the ship. We'll make it. We'll make it. Um, the second one is a lying tongue. This is deception when we deceive people. And we're so guilty of this on Sunday morning. And I'm not mad about it one bit. I do it as well. But we walk through the commons or the hallways or wherever you see people and go, Hey man, how's it going? And you say, fine, great, good. Some of you even spin it because you're really trying to work it. And you go like, blessed and highly favored. And we're like, no, you're not. I saw your social media posts all week long. You're not good. Your life is falling apart. Small town, news travels fast. People talk, people listen. Like, it's just a thing, right? And I can look at you, your whole countenance is just like, you have no life in you. And you're walking around going, good. No, I get it. What we're actually saying is, I don't want to talk about it. And that's fine. I, I totally understand. But I just wonder, I wonder, as we are deceiving one another, or at least trying to deceive one another, I also wonder, might we be robbing other people of an opportunity to love us, to bless us, to pray for us, to help us with our burdens? And isn't, isn't that what the church is designed for? So I wonder if we take that and all that energy and trying to deceive other people and even ourselves that our life is perfect. Just look at my social media feed. If we simply said, no, my life is a mess. Just ask my wife. She'd be like, finally, let me read you what he said. No, but do you understand what I'm saying? Because when I say, when I can sit here and raise my hand and go, hey, I'm struggling with this. Someone else can go, me too. I struggled with that for years, but by the grace of God, it doesn't take me out anymore. Can I share with you what God has done in my life? And then I'm like, please, thank you, Jesus. See, we're, we're loving each other. We're, we're growing together. We're discipling each other. And I think God hates it when we deceive each other of that because, because we're robbing each other of that. I think for some of us, man, we've been praying prayers. God, would you help me? Even the idea of like loneliness. You're like, God, I'm so, I just feel so disconnected from people. I feel so lonely. Would you put somebody in my life? And I, I just feel the good Lord saying like, yeah, I'm trying to, but you keep deflecting and telling them that everything's fine. You don't need help. Everything's good in your life. It's like the people are going to be the answer to that prayer. But if, if we deceive one another, it's not going to work. So quick self-assessment. How you doing? Really? Take some notes and then share it with somebody. Here's another one. And I felt better about this one. Hands that shed innocent blood. And I went, Whoo, thank you, Jesus. Haven't done that one. Two out of three, right? Doing, doing all right. Two out of three. That's not bad. 
And then I remember the words that Jesus said in Matthew 5. He says, you've heard it said to people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. All right, so far so good. Haven't done that. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You ever been angry? I haven't physically that I know of shed innocent blood, but I've been angry with folk. And Jesus is going, hey, in God's economy, one of the same. He does the same thing with lust. He's like, yeah, you haven't committed adultery, but you ever look at someone lustfully? The standard is so high. It is so high. And this goes perfectly into the next one. Verse 18, something else that he hates, a heart that devises wicked schemes. There's something about being in the car. You ever been in the car driving and some fool, this is a church word, will pull right out, right out in front of you? And in that moment, I start devising wicked schemes and anger rises up in me and I'm like, ah, oh, what are you doing? You slam on your brakes and, ah, oh, you know, and I start talking about their mom and I'm like, where I think they should go and, do you know what I mean? Like, what, what is that? There's something inside of me that is just evil. It needs to just, ah! And my kids in the back going, dad? Like, what happened to you? Like, you lost your mind. See, this isn't, when we go through this list, it's not like these massive things where you're like, well, I, I've never murdered somebody. It's like, no, but you've, you've, you've been pretty mad at them. And, and you've wished bad things to happen to their life. And the good loving God goes, I hate that. Because it hurts you and it hurts other people. So instead of doing that, instead of taking life, we need to be more life-giving. Instead of being deceptive to people, we need to be more honest. Tell more truth about what's going on. We need to replace plotting evil with pure thoughts. Let's keep going. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. This I just call eager sinning. We're just excited about it. Pre, uh, premeditated sin. I can't wait till church is over because I got some sinning to do, right? And fill in the list, whatever that is. But we do this. We do this. This shows up, I think, largely in our addictions. I don't want to fight it. I just, I, I'm giving, I can't wait till this is done and then I can leave and go do. There, there's an eagerness about it. It's, it, it there's an eagerness to relinquish self-control. And, and to be to be mastered by something else. And we justify this because, well, I have a need or, you know, it, it feels good in the moment. But it, it is a momentary pleasure that is never satisfying. And we go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just. And then once again, I'm, I hold up the scriptures as a mirror to my life. And I go, no, God hates this. Because it hurts me and it hurts other people. Do you, do you see the pattern that is emerging here? These things that we do to our lives and to one another, man, we self-sabotage. And we will never be more, we will never walk into the fullness that God has created us to step into if we're constantly doing these things that are evil, that are a big deal. And it starts with our pride and it flows from there. Verse 19 says, the false witness who pours out lies, it's in there twice. I just think it's a good reminder for church folk, myself included. Friends, we, we, have, we have nothing to prove and no one to impress. 
when I first heard that statement, I forget the pastor, I need to give him credit. That, that statement, I'm like, man, that's what it means to walk in freedom. I have nothing to prove and no one to impress. Those of you who are in your, uh, you just graduated high school, you are in your early 20s, young adults. Man, if you could grasp onto that, because there's a God that loves you and protects you, and man, he will satisfy your needs and desires. Do you, do you know the, the freedom that you have when you don't have to walk around or you don't have to have a social media account that's constantly trying to prove that you are something that you're not? You're trying to impress other people that you've never even met, you will never meet in your life. That is such a crushing burden for anyone to have to bear. But the good news of Jesus Christ is simply this. You have nothing to prove it. You don't have to impress anyone. Because like, I know who you are. You don't have to try and impress me. Because quite frankly, you're you're nasty. Like, I know you. But I love you. In spite of what you've done. In spite of what you say. In spite of the things that you think. Who are you trying to fool? Nothing to prove. No one to impress. That gives me freedom to simply walk and live my life. The last one that God hates is a person who stirs up conflict in the community. He hates that. Division, divisiveness, picking sides. I mean, you read your your New Testament, you're going to see all these times where Paul and the other apostles are referring to the unity of the church. He's like, man, do not let anything drive a wedge in between you and people. Especially those big three items that I mentioned earlier. Do not let those things drive a wedge between you. Be unified. We need to love God and we need to love people. Be unified in those things. Do not stir the pot. Do not gossip. Do not spread lies. Do not ruin people's character and reputation. Seek reconciliation. He says, if if you go in there and you stir the pot and you start creating a big mess, God goes, "I, I hate that because it hurts you and it hurts those people. I hate that. So what do we do? What do we do? It's number three in your notes. If you're going the wrong way, stop it. If you're going the wrong way, stop it. Turn around and go in a new direction. I said it before. I want to say it one more time. God... God has called you into something more, something bigger than just simply waking up and going through your life. He wants to go and transform and radically transform your character. But you and I, we will never be able to step into that. We cannot step into that if we are holding on to this list over here that God is not a part of. You're like, God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Why I do these sins and these things that you hate. And he's going, it doesn't work that way. The blessing is walking in the freedom away from all that stuff. Listen, uh, it's Jude, it's, Father's Day is coming up. Dads, I promise you, he's called you into something more than just simply going to work and bringing home some money so you can pay for school clothes and put food on the table. He's causing you to raise young men, young daughters, and to people that will love their community well, that will spread the gospel, that will give people hope, that will give them freedom from this list of seven things, that they don't have to walk by that anymore. Husbands and wives, he's calling you into something bigger than just being roommates, into an intimate marriage where you can model for other people what it means to love each other unconditionally, what it means to forgive one another, what it means to be fully known and fully accepted. And we will never get there if we cling onto this list. So what do you do when you find yourself going the wrong way? We stop and we turn around and we go in a different direction. So I want to invite the band up. We're we're super late. I'm so sorry. And we're going to land the plane. But here's, here's how this works. Um, The the church word for this is such a good word. The church word for this is the word 
repent. And for me growing up, there was so, so much uh, guilt and shame and condemnation around this word um, that, that it, it lost all meaning in my life. But over the past couple of years, I'm coming to see this in a new light. And it's not that God hates me. It's not that he's mad at me. It's that God loves me. And he's going, Steve, the destination is here and you're walking this way. You will never get here if you keep going down this path. You have to repent, which means literally stop going this way, turn around and walk a new direction. That's it. That's it. God hates those things that hurt us and hurt other people. He loves us. He loves us. And so here's what I'm going to ask this morning. If We don't always do this. Um, but I'm simply going to ask this. If, if you found yourself in the seats as we're going through that list of seven, or maybe you're thinking of other things and you need to repent, I'm simply, I'm simply going to ask that you would stand in a moment. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to stand. And, and here's why. Here's why. Because I, for me, I could sit in the seats and when the pastor's up here talking, I could just go, yeah, I need to do this. But I'm going to ask you to stand because in that moment, you have to wrestle with your pride and with your deception. And you have to say, if, if I'm going to stay. I know I'm guilty of this, but I'm going to sit down because I don't want that person to think differently about me. That's pride. That's deception. And I want you to know I am standing not because I am talking, but because I am in need of repentance. And so I'm simply going to count to three. And if that's you, I'm going to ask that you would stand. One, two, three. God, I thank you that you love us. been such a tough week I thank you that your grace is so good and God I could sit here and go through the big long list of all the things that I have done wrong that would be such a waste of time because you love me and you're even proud of me because you know the struggle you know the fight you know the difficulty of the temptations And this has never been about me and my perfection, but this has been about my constant reliance on you and receiving your love for me and sending it out to others. And so, Father, for those of us that are standing in this room right now, we simply come before you and we say, Father, I repent. I have been going the wrong way. And it's hurting me. And unfortunately, it's hurting others around me, the people I love most in this life. So today, I repent turn around and I head the right way. I want to walk with you in freedom, not in condemnation. This isn't about me being a good person. This is simply about me walking in the path that you have created me to step into. And there's no doubt that when I do this, the blessings follow. So Father, we, your people, this church, we acknowledge how, man, we acknowledge the distance between us and you. And we thank you so much for the goodness of Jesus and the grace that covers the gap. Thank you for loving us, even though at times we haven't loved you. Show us the way, Father. We pray these things 
in the powerful, in the loving, in the gracious name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen. In moments like this, I think it's best that we simply worship Jesus. So we're going to sing one more song and then we'll dismiss.